Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Hallelujah. We are in a series. I missed your beautiful faces last week. I was in South Tampa with our lovely campus down there. But we're in a series called True Prayer. And I want to do a quick recap just for those if you missed it. But we have everything on our YouTube channel uh, and our website for you to go watch. In fact, you can go listen to podcasts and, and content from all of our campuses. They all load in there. It's like you can spend all week at TRP if you're listening to messages. It's great. So be sure to do that. Um, but uh, I want to do a quick recap of this series and catch us all up, okay? We're in the Lord's Prayer. I felt the Lord put it in my heart to focus on this, to teach us how to pray, Lord, like the disciples said, teach us to pray, right? And this is a very famous passage of Scripture, but I fear that, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that prayer has become, for many of us, empty words. And if you're honest with yourself, maybe you've prayed it and didn't really, it didn't hit your heart, Right? I love uh, Bill Johnson's quote. He says, if your prayer doesn't move you, it probably won't move God, right? Like, if you're just apathetically like, what are you? He's like, he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? Let's, let's have a real conversation. Like, let it be real. Let it be authentic, amen? I want my prayer life to be real and authentic, not just like praying before meals and before bedtime and, and when I pray, saying words I don't even understand. I told this story a few weeks ago. But I didn't even know what hallowed meant until I was in my late teens. And I had prayed it a lot all the way through my life. You know what I mean? I went from the womb to the pew. You know what I'm saying? So I've been praying this stuff for a while. And I didn't even know what that word meant. I was like, hallowed, hallowed, Halloween. I don't know. What does this mean? I don't know what that word means. So if you're like me and you want to be authentic in your prayer life, this is for you. So we're walking through the language of this prayer. And I believe this prayer is more of a paradigm, right? It's something you can step into. There are, there's rich depth to each one of these phrases that Jesus said, pray like this. Amen? Everything in your Bible is, on, is there on purpose. Amen? And there's more to discover the things even you think you know. Amen? Amen. I like noise. Amen? <laughs> All right. So week one, we talked about how true prayer is relational. Relational. Our Father, not my Father, not my Lord, not just me, myself, and I, but our. It's a family of God. And it was, it's unto a father, a good, loving dad, Abba, all right? It's not, oh, dear master of the heavens, right? Like, I understand if you're praying that, that's okay. But as long as it's rooted in our father, right? You're a part of a family of God. Not necessarily like this church. It's not like that. It's the church of Christ, of Jesus Christ. There's one church, you understand? There's one church. This is a congregation of the church. So it's our father. So like that church you are uh, mad at or where you came from or whatever is still in that prayer when you say our father. So all those brothers and sisters you don't like very much are still supposed to pray with you alongside you in the spirit. You're supposed to go into the closet alone, but you never pray alone. Are you with me? You're not supposed to do it on street corners to be heard. You're supposed to do it alone with the Lord, but not alone in the spirit. Our father, it's a communal thing. So true prayer is relational. Man, that was a good message. Right there. It's even better on YouTube. You should check it out. Number two, true prayer begins with worship. True prayer begins with worship. Our Father, once the address is made, once we know why we're, who is talking here, 
says, hallowed be thy name. And that is the word for holy. Be, your name is holy. It is giving, it's praise. It's honor to God. So true prayer shouldn't start with our helplessness. It should start with his holiness. So when we start with his holiness, we get a lot less helpless because we remember who he is. That's why it's a paradigm. That's why you said, he said, pray this way. It'll be good for you. Okay. True prayer starts with worship. And then a couple weeks ago, true prayer releases the kingdom. All right. It releases the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. It heals the sick. It raises the dead. It casts out demons. It cleanses lepers. Today. All right. You're like, that was for Bible times. Hello. You're still living in Bible times. The Bible talks about these times you're living in. These are Bible times. Come on, somebody. It didn't say those things would stop. No matter who told you what color their suit was, I don't care. It doesn't matter the opinions of men. What matters is the word of God said, this is how you preach the kingdom. Jesus said, preach the kingdom. He didn't say, until you all die, you 12, and the new guys come in, and then they preach the kingdom differently. No. He didn't say, until the canon of scripture. No. He said, this is how it's done. So we're going to release the kingdom. And Jesus said, don't even look to the left or the right. Say, the kingdom is over there. The kingdom, no, the kingdom is within you. So it's about releasing what he gave us in our salvation. Are you with me? That was another good one. Um, and today, hopefully, will be even gooder. <laughs> I like giving you the bottom line. Here's the bottom line today. True prayer enforces the will of God. True prayer enforces the will of God. Too many times I have prayed, we have prayed, the church has prayed, Lord, if it is your will. It's a very common modality of prayer, but it's not a biblical one. Okay, we shouldn't mistake commonality for biblical literacy, all right? We shouldn't mistake just this is what we do and just assume it's in the book. It's not. Like even the prayer to receive salvation is not in the Bible. I'm not against the prayer to receive salvation. Hello? I'm not against it, but let's not... Treat it like it's in there if it's not in there. What is in there? Well, he said, pray this way. He said, your will be done. Pray like that. Your will be done. That's an enforcer, not a, ooh, if it's your will, Lord. Right? I'm not mad at anybody. Maybe you prayed like that this morning. It's okay. I'm not upset. I'm just saying, let's pray like Jesus told us to pray. I want to answer the question, what is true prayer? That's the whole point of this, okay? Let's read it. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation for this passage because this is week four, and I've read in many other translations, and this one, I really love the way it brings that point out here. It says, pray like this. Our beloved Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. I love that. So good. Then it says, manifest your kingdom realm. And cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us from every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. Amen. Matthew 6.10 in the New King James Version, just the one line I want to deal with today, says, your kingdom come, you've heard this, your will be done, you can finish it, on the earth as it is in heaven. We say this all the time. But I, again, do not want to heap up empty words, right, as other religions do. They, Jesus said they think there are many words 
and he was actually talking about the church, actually, at that point. But it's, it's common to the world, right? Just chanting, and if I keep praying longer, if I keep praying harder, if I put three syllables in Jesus, it'll definitely work. No. <laughs> Hello? We're supposed to actually understand what we're praying, not just to keep up these words. Yes? That's why I'm saying it's a paradigm. We need to step into this idea all right? Listen to this quote from a guy named Bob Sorge. He says, this is so good. The power of prayer is not in convincing God of my agenda, but in waiting on him to receive his agenda. That's so good. It was better than your response. <laughs> the power of prayer. <laughs> it's okay. You don't, don't respond this time, just on purpose. The power of prayer is not in convincing God of my agenda. Here's what I need you to do, Lord. Here's what would be best. That's not the power of prayer, convincing him of my agenda. But in waiting on him to receive his agenda, knowing the will of God. So this prayer paradigm requires us. There's a prerequisite to this paradigm. You understand? There's something that comes before it saying, your will be done. You have to know what the will is. There's a a prerequisite. And Jesus is our model. Amen? Jesus is God. He's God incarnate. He came, put on flesh. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily, Colossians 2 says. All of God was in all of a human. He's completely God, completely man. Are you with me? Yes? Okay. And he walked around the earth showing us how it's done. He is our model. So how did Jesus model praying, your will be done? Your will be done. Well, in this passage, Matthew 6, he goes on to teach many things. It's, the, um, it's just this whole beautiful stretch, really starting in Matthew 5, I believe it is, with Beatitudes, all the way through into Matthew 8. But once he gets done teaching, he stands up, and in Matthew 8, it says, verse 1 through 3, it says, when he came down from the mountain, this is after, right after he was done with this whole message, where he said, pray this way, he came down the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Say, that really happened. I'm on a mission to convince the church that the Bible is not a his, like a fantasy book. It's his story. It's his story. Okay, he was immediately confronted after saying, pray this way, your will be done, with someone who says, if it's your will. And what does he respond? I will. That's the first instance of his walking this out as a prayer model, but it's all through the Gospels. If you read through the Gospels, you will not find one single time where Jesus goes, Lord, if it's your will. Never once will he say, God, if you choose you can heal this person. Never once. But we have adopted these, this different mode of praying. It's not true prayer. I'm okay with saying I have prayed incorrectly many times. Anyone else okay with it? Yeah? Okay. Like, I've done it like four times. So <laughs> let's all just be humble and say, okay, maybe I don't know how to pray. Is that all right? Like, it's okay with me. 
Man, I just, I just find this striking that Jesus immediately went down and this is what happened. The first thing, right? I find that striking. Look, look, first John chapter 2, I want to look at this. This is one of his disciples who was there when the leprosy thing happened, who was there when he taught that sermon. He says in First John chapter 2, 5 through 6, it says, Whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. John, who wrote that, saw him say, pray this way, and then saw him walk down the mountain and say, I will. He saw Jesus enforce the will of God, and then he wrote, you also, if you say you're in him, you have to walk in the way that he walked. Anyone want to accept the challenge this morning, like challenge accepted? It's challenging to me. I don't meet every confrontation like that. I don't meet every issue like that. I don't meet every problem with that. I'm with you, okay? We're together in this, all right? Really. But we have to leave the bar where it is, <laughs> okay? In order to truly pray your will be done, we have to understand it's a declarative enforcement attitude, but we also need to know his will, right? So let me just say to you a fact. It is always God's will for every person to be made whole. It is always God's will for every person to be made whole. And you say, well, what about Pharaoh? What about Nebuchadnezzar? What about, you know, many times, like, things, like God literally struck a king with leprosy. It is always God's perfect and pleasing will for every person to be made whole. The thing is, he's given us free will. <laughs> And we get to partner with his will or not. His desire doesn't change. Our outcome is depending on whether we're in line with his desires. Hello? It's pretty simple to me. But we've gotten confused. I just believe that Jesus is the perfect picture of God's will. Everything he said, everything he did. It's a model. Amen? Jesus, one pastor said it this way. I can't remember who. But God is the painter. Jesus is the model, and you are the painting. God is standing there looking at Jesus and, and then creating your life. And he's using the colors of your dysfunction to do it. He's good like that. <laughs> it's true. But listen to this. Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Hello? Jesus is not God on a good day or in a good mood. Jesus is God, the exact representation of his being. Are you with me? Yes? Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And listen to this. Acts 10.38 says, You know of Jesus who God anointed, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Listen, there were people on the earth under the power of the devil, who did not get healed when Jesus walked the earth. But he healed all who were under the power of the devil. It's a true statement. I know, you're like, wait a minute. Seems contradictory. It's not. Jesus stayed in one geographic area, right? He didn't go through that every piece of land and meet every person on the planet. That wasn't the plan. The plan was to empower the church to go to every person on the planet, every piece of the earth. Yeah? So what does this mean? This means that he healed all who came to him. He never refused a single person. Never. Check me. Find one. Find an instance. Find it. I will repent, I will repent publicly. 
I will. I'll even use your name. That you rebuked me and you gave me this. I will. On live stream. <laughs> I'm being funny. But I'm just saying, it's not in there. You won't find it. He healed all. Amen? Amen? Come on. Why? Why? Because he was an enforcer of the will of the Father. He was an enforcer of the will of God. John 5, 19 through 20. I love this verse. I talk about it all the time. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. He's saying right here, I am just enforcing the will of my father. I'm getting my information from another realm from the creator of all, from the father of all, and I am here to enforce that will. God wants everyone healed, delivered, and completely restored. Everyone. Let me help you. Even if you're doing good, you need restoration. Even if you're doing great, there's greater things to come. Even if your life is glorious, glory is on the other side. More glory. In fact, the Christian life is not hills and valleys. It's glory to glory, to glory. Here's what's going on. Here's what happens. Once you get to a certain level of glory, you see the next level, and your mountaintop looks like a valley compared to where you're going. But you didn't decrease. That's how we go from glory to glory to glory and stay in our present moment going, I got some issues. Yeah, well, you, you hit one level of glory, and now you're calling it a valley, but that's only because you have perspective now of what's coming. The new mountain makes the mountaintop look like a valley, but it's not. So we must grow. We must grow in the knowledge of and practical reality of how to enforce his will. Amen? Is anyone saying they need to grow in this? I'm, I need to grow in this. The, the knowledge of it and the reality of how to do it. Okay, how do we do that? So let me just say a couple things. If you've prayed for something according to the will of God, like you know it was, or the scriptures say it, and you have not seen it come to pass, welcome to the club. Okay? Nobody, nobody besides Jesus has a 100% track record. Like 100% healing rate, 100% all that stuff. Nobody. Are you okay? Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> We're all right with that. But that does not change the desire of God for us to pray, your will be done. We cannot lower our theology to the level of our experience. We must instead call our present and future experience up to the level of truth. But this is what the church has done. We said, I haven't seen it. I haven't heard it. It didn't happen through me or my ministry. That's not true. That's not real. God isn't doing that today. What arrogance. We see in part and know in part. So no matter how well you see, you only see a part. I don't care about your prophetic discernment or how many times God's used you. You only see a part. By design, it's our Father, not your Father. So come on. Let's dare not lower the will of God in our minds and say, you know what, Jesus, that was just Jesus because he was completely God, completely man. Or that was just the apostles. 
Oh, oh, that was just the 12. Oh, yeah, and that other guy, Stephen, he worked Mighty Miracles, but that was an exception. Oh, and that guy, Paul, he wasn't with Jesus yet, but that was an exception. Oh, and those other, you know, Mighty Workers of Miracles all throughout church history, those are exceptions, not the rule. I'm sorry, you're the exception. That's the rule. <laughs> so true. Here's the question. The question is, will we trust the will of God without making excuses for God when it doesn't work out? Are we going to tr trust the will of God instead of making excuses for God when it seemingly doesn't pan out the way we thought it would? Or when it doesn't, the person doesn't get healed or whatever? Are we going to trust the will of God beyond our experience? I hope so. <laughs> we can say amen now, but when the rubber meets the road, homie, I've prayed for four people to come back from the dead. I've seen zero people come back from the dead. And I'm going to pray for number five. I will. You understand? Why? Because I'm an enforcer of the will of God, not of my experience. I'm not to enforce what I have experienced of the will of God. I'm to enforce the will of God. Your will be done is the end of the statement. Your will that has happened in my life that I've seen previously be done. That's what many of us have prayed. No, your will be done. If it doesn't work when you pray, you know, I'm being very broad brush here, that doesn't give us the automatic right to say it wasn't God's will. It's just not that simple. And you're not that cool <laughs> to change the rules. Hello? Okay. So, now that I've tenderized you a little bit, <laughs> bloodied a few noses, this is the point where I give you tools and you choose to accept them, step over your offense because I hurt your feelings or not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're all okay, I think. <sighs> it's hard to tell your face sometimes. It's like conviction or pain. It's very difficult. <laughs> I'm looking at your face. It's hard to know sometimes. Anyway. So how are we to discern the will of God for each moment? That sounds like a great task. That sounds like a heavy task, right? But how do we do that? I'm going to give you two things. Number one, by testing the will of God. Number one, by testing. Romans 12.2 says, you know this verse if you've been in church, popular. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Did you notice that just renewing your mind won't help you know the will of God completely? Just renewing your mind, just getting good teaching, just going to trp.tv and listening to all those amazing courses that I built, spent 58 hours creating. Yeah. Bible teaching is good stuff. Yeah. Just by consuming and renewing your mind, consuming good information, renewing your mind, that's not it. That is not going to help you discern what is the will of God, His good, acceptable, and perfect will. That's not far enough. You have to test it. And this is where most of us stop. Well, I know, I know, that's God's will. Well, have you tested it? Have you put your weight on it? Have you tested him in giving when he says each one of you should give? Have you tested that? Have you tested it when he says, here's how you preach the kingdom, heal the sick? Have you tested that? Come on. Or is it just an idea? Oh, yeah, my mind's renewed. I know that that's how you preach the kingdom. Okay, cool. 
Now, if you want to know what's good, acceptable, and perfect, you got to test it. You want to know the nuances of it? You want to be good at discerning the will of God? It requires testing. And that word in the Greek for testing is literally to prove it. To prove that it's good. Prove that it is acceptable. To reveal that it is good by testing. Okay, the will of God is for everyone to be made whole. Prove it. Yeah, now it gets real. Oh, either avoid all sick people, all demonized people, all people who don't know Jesus for the rest of your life, straight up monk life, hashtag monk life, or it's going to be pretty easy to test this thing. Hello? It's pretty easy to find some sick people, right? It's pretty easy to find some fearful people. Let me tell you, it's really easy to find some demonized people. <laughs> it's easy for me, it seems. I don't know. I don't know about you, what your week looks like, but... <laughs> we got to go out and prove that this is the perfect will of God. And in the proving, we actually be able, we're able to discern better what exactly he wants. Are you seeing this? It's putting it into practice. So that's number one, by testing. And that's not left for the pastors and the guys and the girls with microphones, hello? That's not left for the prayer team at the end of the gathering, hello? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's for you. If you want to know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, you have to go test what you know of the will of God. You got to go prove it. Hello? You okay? All right, second thing, by constant practice. It's not just one test, y'all. It's not just once, oh, yeah, I saw one healing. No, no, no. Listen, I saw my, I told it a couple weeks ago, my mom got totally radically healed through me. Crazy, crazy. When I didn't believe in healing, I saw a metal box dissolve from a man's head. His name was Dennis. I'm not going to use his last name on live stream. Showed me the x-rays when I touched his head. Metal box gone. Crazy. Crazy. I was testing the will of God. But that's not where I stopped. Because it's not just the test or the one or two. It's by constant use. Constant practice. This is from Hebrews 5. Verse 14, it says, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained. Anybody do training like you train for a run or you train for sports or athletes or things like that? Yeah, it's, you don't do that once. In fact, when you stop doing it, you lose what you got. Hello, right? It's for training. It's this constant thing. Trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. That word constant practice is actually the Greek word for habit. It should be habitual that you heal the sick. It should be habitual that you give to the kingdom. It should be habitual that you lay down your life for your neighbor. It should be a habit. You're like, oh my gosh, that's so difficult. No, no, no. You're inhabited by the one who does this by his nature. So it should be a natural habit and a healthy habit. It's not legalistic to have healthy habits. Come on. Like, it's healthy to read your Bible regularly. That's a healthy habit. Oh, that's legalism. It's healthy to pray every day. I can mean it. That's legal. Okay, it's healthy to brush your teeth in the morning. <laughs> that's legal. No. <laughs> right? Come on, healthy habits are not bad, and we slap legalism label on it sometimes in our charismania. No rules, just right. Jesus loves me, and yeah, we'll see what happens. No, no, no. Habit. How are you going to mature? Healthy habits. 
Discerning, constant practice. God is looking for enforcers of his will. I'm wondering if he'll find any today. At the restaurant you go to later, at your house, when there's chaos, will you enforce peace? At your workplace tomorrow, will you pull the atmosphere of heaven into that place? Discern the will of God for your coworkers and your boss. Will you prove it that his will is for them to be whole? Will you pray, your will be done? Or will you pray, God, if it's your will, please help? One of those is true prayer. I want to be an enforcer of God's will. Amen? Anybody with me? Amen. Listen to this. This is just some more scripture because I like the Bible. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power, say divine power, has granted to us. I went to English class. That's past tense. It's already there. We're like, Lord, give us your power. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see a lack of life. You see a lack of godliness. You have the thing for that. You have the thing. Whatever the thing is, you got it. Whatever's necessary, it's in there. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That's Jesus. It's all through Jesus. It's not just some power you got that you never, you know, you don't consult Jesus anymore or think about Jesus. It's not like we're supposed to be power brokers without connected to the source. Are you with me? It's not power for power's sake. It's power for the sake of knowing him. And for others knowing him. You know what the world wants? The world wants proof. They don't want nice songs and smoke machines. And sorry, stop now. I'm not against production. I'm not. We have production elements. I want our live stream to sound good. Hello? Like, I'm good with that. But that's not what they need. They need proof. Someone's going to show up with a solution. Who claims to know the will of God and enforce it? It's easy to say God wants everyone whole. And then you start sitting with people who are broken. It's easy to say on the mountaintop, this is how you should pray. But then you got to walk down the mountain and find the leper. you got to go put feet to your faith. Put it to practice. Test it. Knowing that you've been given all things according to life and godliness. Hello? John 10, 10, you know this verse. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life, have it abundantly. Anytime you see a lack of life and life abundantly, you're called to that. <laughs> Either by prayer, by something. Something. I'm not saying you're the solution for everyone you meet or God's given you the exact design for that. Don't overburden yourself here, right? Just know that you're called to enforce the will of God. You discern it, and then you enforce it. That might be by prayer. That might be by laying hands on somebody. That might be by laying hands on somebody. Okay? Stop. God is a God of justice. He doesn't sit there. It's wrong to sit there seeing someone being harmed and just say, God, if it's your will, stop this. He's like, you're there. I willed for you to see that it was happening. Do something about it. Stop them. 
That's why we, in our vision statement, we see things like human trafficking eradicated from Tampa Bay's reality, like gone. We see it gone. We see it no longer happening here. We've seen that. We're going to enforce that every chance we get. Yeah? Life and life abundantly. That's what we're looking for. Finally, John 14, 12 through 14, one of my favorite passages. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me. Who? Whoever. Okay, he didn't say, again, the apostles that believe in me, you people here in the hearing of the sound of my voice. No, he didn't say the first few generations of Christians until they get the Bible, and then they won't need this anymore. He said, whoever ever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Let me help you. Are you ready? Jesus' works are the low bar. It's the entry point. We've made it this unattainable thing. It's the beginning. It's just the start. I can prove it if I keep on reading. <laughs> Whoever believes in me will do, also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Greater works. What's greater than raising the dead? I don't know. Raising a graveyard. All of them. I don't know. Like, I can already start to imagine a few things. What, maybe like raising a dead person that died 100 years ago. I don't know. He said he's able to ask to do more than you ask, think, or imagine. So I can imagine a lot. Like, what if, I, what if we, so you don't get weird at me, what if we, out of the discernment of the will of God, I'm just like putting it in a in a fun little box for you here, okay? Hypothetically speaking, God spoke to this church, said, pray for Martin Luther King's resurrection. Would we pray? God says, I need a man of justice in that realm again, and he's anointed, and his work was cut off early. I need him back. Pray for his resurrection. Would we pray? It's just a hypothetical. I'm not saying God's saying that. Just, or would we have a faith issue? What do we have? I'm talking God said it to us. Like, we know God said it to us, right? Like, I'm, if that happened. I'm just trying to provoke you a little bit. Like, <laughs> greater things. He said greater things. I believe him. I haven't seen greater things in the ministry of Jesus in my life yet. But that doesn't mean I won't. You want to know why? Because I believe they're coming. I have seen in my spirit people driving down I-75 hit the Tampa Bay region, like hit the border, and like tumors falling off their body. Because they came into my city where I host the presence of God. I've seen them lose metal from surgeries and have a knowing, I must find a church to explain this to me. And every church going, we know exactly what happened. Not go to the loony bin. Which is what a lot would say. I've seen it. I just wonder if it's his will. I think it is. Greater things will he do. That's what he said. Are there any enforcers? I'm asking a question. Are there any enforcers? In this room, on that live stream. It's going to take testing, and it's going to take practice. But let's not lower the bar.
because we haven't seen something. Let's continue to pray the way the Lord told us to. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Amen? Next week, we're going to talk about on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to be here a while. Okay? Because I start preparing notes, and I'm like, yeah, stop. That's enough for one week. It's probably enough for two weeks or three, you know? So, yeah. I'm trying to give you less at one time so you can chew a little bit. I'm working on it. I got some feedback. That's kind of the way it is. Anyway, would you stand? Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.